Welcome back to church. If you haven't been to church in a while, uh, look, I'm aware that COVID kind of messed things up and, oh, yeah, yeah, whatever. Just, look, we, we, we're all trying to be safe, all trying to, all trying to be safe, all trying to do the right thing. And, and so, you know, and, and at the same time, we're all trying to get back into life and society and culture. And that's, that's important. So, so we just thought, we felt led to just say, you know what, hey, let's throw the net back out there and say, hey, everybody come on back to church. We've still got folks that are watching us via the stream. If you are, we love you. Uh, if you're here in the neighborhood, we want to encourage you, come on back to church. It's, all, it's okay, I promise, we won't bite. We won't bite. Very hard, I promise. Uh, but, but uh, you know, so come on back and whatever level of comfort you have, I see some of you have masks on, some of you don't, that's fine. Hey, if whatever you're comfortable with, that's what we want you to do. If you're all in and you want to hug folk, well, okay, we'll, you know, let folks know that. But if you're also still wanting to kind of distance a little bit, that's fine. Let folks know that. No one's going to take offense. We just want to get back together. The Bible calls us in the Greek where we are the ecclesia, the ecclesia. There's two meanings to that. Uh, one is the called out ones. We've been called out. Ekla in the Greek is where we get the word echo, right? So God calls us and we answer that call, right? We echo back. But at Ekklesia, now we make it a very spiritual churchy word like, ooh, we are the Ekklesia. We've been called out. And really, if you hung out like there in, in, the, in the world back then when uh, the common tongue was Greek, Ekklesia would have been a very common word. It just also meant getting together, gathering. We're calling everyone together, an assembly. And so if folks were just going to kind of gather together for dinner, they'd say, hey, we're going to have an ecclesia this Friday night. Come on out. So that's really what church is about. And that's the word that was used in the New Testament was ecclesia. In other words, a gathering together. We want to get together. Church is about connecting to God. The Bible says there's one mediator between God and men, not man, just, you know, you know, God and man. Yes, that's, it's, it's about our personal relationship with Jesus, but it's also our personal relationship with the body of Jesus, the body of Christ, which is each other. So that's one reason why it's so important to get together on Sunday morning, start your week out first thing, set, set a little time aside. We don't keep you long, really. You know, by 11, 1130 or so, typically we're done. And I, I promise you, you won't even miss kickoff. Those of you who like, you know, you know. <laughs> See, folks don't like admitting to that because it doesn't sound really spiritual. But see, we, it's just, let's just be honest, right? If I start preaching too long, you guys, uh, you know, kickoff's about to happen. Uh, but at the same time, uh, you know, we don't want to keep you too much because this isn't church. We're church. You are the church. And, and as much as this is wonderful, we got to get together and connect and, and lift each other up. Uh, really, real church takes place out there every day. Uh, amongst your neighbors, amongst uh, when you go to the market, when you go to your job, when you go to school, all that good stuff. That's really where church is supposed to take place. So, uh, but welcome. If you are new today, if, if this, just curious, I'm not trying to embarrass you or not. I just, I, I want to say if this is your first time to be part of uh, uh, the, you know, a, a service here at Gathering Church, raise your hand. Let me, I just want to see some hands real quick. Thank y'all. Thank you so much for being here. You could have been any place else on the planet, but you chose to be here with a bunch of neighbors. If you look around, most of these folks are your neighbors here in the neighborhood, if not here in the, the greater community, not too far away. So that's what's, that's what's really cool is to, to be able to live somewhere where you can go praise God with your neighbors. Uh, 
if, if you're wondering, you know, we, the, the, the label that we kind of slap on here is non, non-denominational. Uh, in reality, it's a little bit more interdenominational. We've got folks from all walks of Christianity, and that's all right, because we're all believers who are trying to get together and glorify Jesus and just get into his word and grow together. So wherever you are at in your understanding, wherever you're at in your practice of your faith, just hop in. It's okay. If you praise him by making the sign of the cross or if you praise him by lifting up your hands, you know, getting your antennas up as folks always accuse, accuse, you know, or whatever. Or if you praise him by just sitting in, in reverent silence, however you want to praise him today, just praise him. And you don't have to be anything other than who you are and, and in his presence. And in his presence, there's liberty and there's fullness of joy. At his right hand, there's pleasures forevermore, the word says. Amen. Uh, I, I do want to give a disclaimer. First of all, I'm excited. For, uh, Kate mentioned we're about to celebrate our four-year anniversary. For four years, we've been getting together doing this. And we're still around. Amen. Uh, so we're, and, and like Kate said, we're going to just kind of go back out to the park where we are, we're doing the COVID, uh, the, the, the crux of the COVID season. We're going to go out to Inspiration Park, have a great time. Uh, uh, I have, I have, I'm, now it's, it, you know, Greg, Greg Grimes, who is the master motivator and, and, and uh, organizer of all things potluck. He's, he's had to be in dry dock during COVID because we haven't been able to do this. And those of you who were here prior to COVID, you know, we are some pot lucking people. I mean, we, we like to eat and fellowship around here. So, so he is, he's been stretching out. He's been getting it back in shape. And uh, you're probably going to be hearing from Greg Grimes here in the next few weeks. He's going to, he's going to get the ball rolling on that. And we, I want us to have, I want us to celebrate so much. And you remember, we, we've been talking about the feast, the three main feasts. That we, had, we have a God who said, hey, when you celebrate me, eat, feast, right? Uh, so we want to have uh, the potluck to end all potlucks, to kick back into it, right? Now, we don't want to end potlucks. We want to keep it going. But, you know, you understand the phrase. And I will say this. It's not a matter. Mike Satterfield will be here to preach, as, as Kate mentioned. Uh, it's not so much that I like to call him Chocolate Thunder. That's literally what he tells people to call him. That was a nickname he got somewhere along the way. He's an evangelist. He's also my neighbor. He lives right behind me in the alley, him and his wife, Rhonda. Uh, he is, he, and, and that's what he, like, he, he's got t-shirts. You go to his, his ministry website, you can order a Chocolate Thunder, MikeSatterfield.org. You can order a Chocolate Thunder t-shirt because he brings the thunder, the word of God. And, and he, uh, the only problem he said he's ever had is he got off an airplane and was checking into a hotel when he went to go preach somewhere and he had a hat, said Chocolate Thunder. And the lady at the hotel said, that's your name? And he said, yeah. She goes, you in town? He goes, yeah, just for the weekend. She said, where are you dancing? <laughs> so he, he said, that's the only. <laughs> so, <laughs> amen. Uh, After service, I want to encourage you, whether, whether you're uh, one of our faithful or whether you're brand new, stick around. Uh, we're not going to put up the chairs immediately or tear down immediately. We, we just want to stick around and take some time and fellowship. Uh, let us get to know you a little bit more. Get to know us a little bit more. We have coffee and treats. Uh, make, sure, make sure you take your picture. We've got, we got a nice little photo op out there. 
uh, take your picture and post it. If you post it, make sure you hashtag Gathering, Gathering Church Viridian. Hashtag Gathering Church Viridian. Or is it Gathering Viridian? Thank you, Kate. Kate, see, that's why we got Kate. She keeps us organized here. Gather, hashtag Gathering Viridian, uh, just because we want to get the word out to the neighborhood. Not so much this, but really we just want to get the word out that we're getting together every week and lifting up Jesus. Amen. Uh, so, back to church Sunday. There you go. Hashtag Gathering Viridian. Thank you to the tech team. <laughs> back to church Sunday. Um, I wish with all my heart that I could tell you that if you have Jesus Christ as Lord of your life, not just that you believe in him, but that if you accept him as Lord, as boss, as savior of your life, I wish with everything in me that I could tell you that, man, life is going to be great and hunky-dory and you ain't going to have a just smooth sailing between now and the time God calls you home. I really wish I could tell you that, but we all know that's not the truth. Jesus even said as much. He said, in this world, you're going to have trouble, but be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. Didn't overcome just your trouble. He overcame the whole sphere that contains your trouble. That's pretty cool. But, but you still go through difficulties and none of us here are immune to it. Uh, my family, I praise God for my heritage. Uh, my family is not any greater than any other family, but I do praise God that ministry has ran in my family. My grandfather was a pastor and an assistant pastor for a while. Um, my mom, the, the majority of her adult life was spent in youth and children's ministry. She impacted so many children uh, during her lifetime. Uh, I've, I've, I've been preaching since I was 12. My siblings have been in ministry. My brother who's gone on to be with the Lord, he was in youth ministry, was also praise and worship leader at his church. Uh, my sister has spent many years of her adult life in children's ministry, youth ministry. I've got a a, a cousin, you know, I've got cousins in ministry. One of my cousins who's a chiropractor was, was a youth pastor for years. And now his son, I just found out, just uh, got hired on a big church uh, near Chattanooga, Tennessee. And he's going to be a, a youth pastor there. Um, and, and, and so it's just, it's blessed to be part of that kind of lineage and heritage. But at the same time, you know, you would think if it was all about performance-based religion, that we would be able to say, hey, look, you know, my, my family has spent a lot of hours, a lot of man hours, you know, sowing into the kingdom of God. That should get us some kind of equity, right? You know, that should give us a, a pass on, no, it, that, but even that, that doesn't do it. It's not about our works, you know, our righteousness, our good works is as filthy rags compared to his righteousness. And it's all about grace and all about faith. And so even, you know, we've, we've had our share of tragedy, of heartache, of, of sadness, of loss. It doesn't matter. You're not immune to it, no matter who you are. And so, but one thing, and really, if it, if it weren't, if, if everything was hunky-dory, there would be no need for faith. And we've been called to walk in faith. But one thing that we can talk about today, and Kate read a scripture about God's plans at the top of the service. He said, I know my plans I have for you. And it's not plans to harm you or destroy you but it's plans to give you hope. And he said, I want to give you a future. So if there's anything that God can give you today, it's hope. I want us to take a few moments and look at hope because hope lives here, not in this room, but here amongst us where two or three are gathered in my name. Jesus said, there am I in the midst of them and where he is, there is hope. Hope. I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what your circumstances are, 
But I guarantee you, no matter what, there is hope. Matter of fact, Romans chapter 15, starting with verse 13 says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust him. That means that you have faith in him or that you believe in him. Not just believe in him. We say it a lot around here. There's a big difference between believing in God and believing God. If you believe him, then you can be filled with hope. You can be filled with joy and peace. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? That if you just trust him, say, I don't know about all this stuff that's going on around me. That's okay. Just trust him. Doesn't mean you got to like it. <laughs> but if you'll trust him, he'll fill you with confident hope. Confident hope. Matter of fact, Jeremiah 17, 7 says this, but blessed are those who trust in the Lord. Why? And have made the Lord their hope and confidence. If you want to be blessed, make the Lord your source of hope. You can't, you can't count on your bank account. You can't count on your retirement. Can't count on your job. Can't count on the economy, the government, the world, friends, neighbors. Everything can let you down, has the possibilities. But the Lord, now he may not always do things the way you want him to, but if you will trust him, you can be so full of hope today. If you're here, there is hope for the weary. There is hope for the weary. As a pastor, I hear it every week, multiple times from folks. Folks are tired. And it's not a physical tired. I mean, you know, our, most of our jobs don't require a ton of physical work. It's more, it's a mental tired. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Folks are just weary. They're tired. They may have all the energy in the world in their body, but they can't do anything because their brain's just spent. 1 Thessalonians says, says, comfort those whose minds are weary. This is really where the battle is. You can be the healthiest person in the world. You can be a, you know, you can be a bodybuilder, an athlete, a star athlete. But, but if, you're not, if, 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 if you're not right in your mind, none of that, none of that matters. You know? Uh, my, my wife and I, we, we get into documentaries. We're documentary nerds. And we just watched a docu documentary on uh, Aaron Hernandez, the former tight end of the New England Patriots, was, was this phenomenal athletic specimen, but was damaged in his mind and, and was serving life in prison and took his own life, you know, for, for uh, you know, accused of, of murder. All the health, all the money, all the everything else didn't do him good, but he was he was weary. So, but there is hope. If you're here today and you're like, I am just, I can't even think right. I'm so tired. My brain is so tired. I wish I could just turn my brain off. There is hope for you. Look at this. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 30 and 31 says, even youths will become weak and tired. Can you imagine that? We are in an age that even young people are struggling with mental health. Young people are more stressed out. Over the last two years, I've had to deal with two suicides close to me, one of which my own nephew. One, one was a 12-year-old, another one was 31 years old. Both young, young, but were just mentally tired. But look at this. Even youths will become weak and tired, and young men will fall on exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord, you remember you get hope when you trust. 
So those who have hope and trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. That's what I need me some of today. I need that kind of hope for me to keep my mind right. Hebrews 12 and 3 says, think of the hostility he endured. Talking about Christ. Say, how, how, can, I, how can I get some of this hope? It's if you put your mind on him. This is what we're talking about. Think of the hostility. Or in other words, think of the sacrifice. Meditate on what, what he did for you. And the hostility he faced. And hanging on the cross. All that stuff. Think on this as he endured from the sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. If you can meditate on what he's done for you, that you know I've been redeemed by the curse of, from the curse of the law through, through the blood of Jesus. I'm a brand new creature through his resurrection, through my faith in him. I got this. I can do this. Right? Isaiah 4, chapter 50, verse 4. The sovereign Lord has given me his words. Now, this is the other thing. Get into the word of God. Why? Because his word can give you rest can give you strength in your mind. The sovereign Lord has given me his words of wisdom so that I know how to comfort the weary. His word has a way of comforting those who are weary. Matter of fact, David said, I weep with sorrow. Encourage me with your word. I want to encourage you. If you're not getting into the, if the only time you're getting into the word is the 20, 25 minutes that, that I get up here and talk on Sunday morning, that's not going to be enough. I promise you, you're not just eating on Sunday morning, right? You've, you know, you eat every day. And, and most of the times you feed yourself, don't you? That's how we are spiritually. We got to learn to feed ourselves. That's why we're offering. I'm excited. I'm excited. This week, we're launching back into three now, three Bible studies that are available for our whole community, not just those who attend gathering, but whosoever wants to show up. I don't care if they attend other churches and fellowships or if they don't attend anywhere. People want to come in and get, get into the Word of God, do so. Why? Because it'll help you from growing weary in your mind. The Bible says, He keeps those in perfect peace whose minds are stayed on Him because He trusts them. So I want to give another plug. Wednesday night, if you're not doing anything, Wednesday night, we got a brand new Bible study. Mark Cooper is going to be preaching or teaching out of the, uh, the book of Romans. That's, I love how he puts it. He said, it's the Christian Constitution. The Christian Constitution. It's going to be at the Jackson. Uh, just, just for the sake of logistics, we're going to give a quick plug. A time out from the sermon to give a quick plug. Now, uh, Samia, wave your hand. If you're interested in attending, go see Samia. Uh, uh, and I'm assuming you're going to go through the lobby area or there may be a code to get in or whatnot. But but Samia can get you hooked up for that. So if you're interested, Wednesday night, 6.30, go see Samia right after service. Okay? Now, I return you back to our current sermon. Hope for the broken. If you feel like you've been broken, sometimes life has a way of just ripping your heart to shreds, doesn't it? If you're here and you're broken, it doesn't matter how righteous of a person you can be. Life has a way of causing damage. There is hope for the broken. Matter of fact, Jesus preached out of this text, one of his first sermons, Isaiah 61 and 1. He said, matter of fact, he preached out of it and got a lot of people mad because he said, oh, by the way, it's talking about me. And they got like pretty offended at him about that. But so this is, uh, this is why Jesus even showed up. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor who could use some good news today. He has sent me to comfort 
the brokenhearted. One of the reasons why Jesus was sent here specifically was to comfort the broken heart. So if you're here today and you're broken in some area of your life, take great hope because this is why he's like, hey, I came for you. This is exactly why he showed up. To comfort the broken heart, to proclaim the captives will be released and prisoners will be set free. I love this. Psalm 34, 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. If you're here today and you say, you don't understand, I'm so broken. You don't understand what's taking place. This fell apart. Someone did this to me. Hey, if you were here and you were brokenhearted, guess what? He's especially close to you. So I can't tell. Just hang out long enough. Walk with him long enough. And you'll start understanding he really is. He really is close to you. The underdog. Anyone ever felt like the underdog? Everybody else. Cowboys. What in the world? Howard. We're going to have an altar call here in a minute. They probably are an underdog. I hadn't even looked at the line. They are. Let's stop down. We're going to pray for the cowboys here in a minute. I can't even get my, can't even get my mind back on my sermon. I'm worried about my boys now. What's going on? <laughs> underdogs, underdog. You ever felt like the underdog? Everybody else has the advantage, man. If I could just catch a break, if I could just, just oh, I know I got what it takes. Oh. You know, you feel like you're up against a mountain. Well, if that's you, there's hope for the underdog. Look at how God operates. I love this. James chapter 2, 5 says, Listen to me, dear brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich? In faith, say, man, I got to be poor. Well, no, it, it, it means talking about poor in spirit. If you are those who are poor, they're not dependent on anything else other than God, right? You, they, can't, they can't depend on their own means. Well, it doesn't matter how much you got in your account, whether you got a big account or a small banking account, you need to be dependent on the real source of all things, and that's Jesus. So, so if you are poor in spirit, in other words, if in your spirit you're saying, Lord, thank you for whatever you want to bless me with, but you know what? I just depend on you, whether I have this stuff or not. Man, if I, I got to have you, because if I don't have you, I have nothing, you know? So <clears throat> he has chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith. Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom? He promised to those who love him. So guess what? If you think you're at a disadvantage, well, hey, that's what God has chosen. He's chosen those who are at a disadvantage to make them rich in faith and to let them inherit the kingdom of God. It's a cool thing to be an underdog now. Zechariah 4 and 6. Now this is the word that came to Governor Zerubbabel who was in the process of helping to build the wall back in Jerusalem and around the temple. And he was helping Nehemiah and all those guys. Uh, this is the word that came. This is what the Lord says to Zerubbabel. It is not by force nor by strength. Because you have to understand they were rebuilding the wall. There's a lot of neighbors a lot of foreigners that were very upset that these Jews were permitted to go back and restore the temple. And they were threatening, and they had a lot more weapons, they had a lot more guys, they had a lot better fighters, they were outnumbered. This little band of, of Jewish exiles that were permitted to return, they didn't have what it takes to defend you know, their project. And yet God said, look, don't worry about it, because it has nothing to do with your strength or your power but it's by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's armies. If you feel like God has called you to something and you're saying there's no way I'm going to be able to have, make this happen, 
that's okay. Because it's not going to be by, if God's called you to do it, it's probably something you can't do on your own anyway. But it's through His power, through His might, that, that His will and His purpose is going to be established and manifest in your life. Philippians 4.13, I love this coming from the Amplified Version. I have strength for all things. Someone needs to just like write this down. Let this be your profession every day to turn your mindset where you've been doubting yourself and doubting your abilities. This is what, this is what Paul says in the book of Philippians. I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. In other words, I am ready for anything and I am equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength in me. Or I even love this interpretation. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. Isn't that awesome? Hey, look, I know I'm a knucklehead. But because I'm alive in Christ. Who amen me on that? Isaac, my brother, come on, man. Oh. Y'all are really trying to mess me up on this sermon, aren't you? No, you don't. Stop. <laughs> I, look, I know I don't have what it takes in life, but I am dead to myself and I am now alive in Christ. Matter of fact, Paul says it this way. I've been crucified with Christ, yet I'm alive. But it's not me. It's Christ who's alive in me. And because Christ is alive in me, I am self-sufficient. Why? Because I've got the source of all sufficiency living in me. And it's not by my might. It's not by my ability or my, my low processor or my big processor, whatever you want to call it, whatever. It's not about any of that. But it is about his power alive and well in me. Therefore, I can do all things through Christ Jesus. It doesn't matter if I'm an underdog or not. It's all about him. Amen. Finally, if you're here and you're like, I don't know, I'm doubting stuff. I don't even know if I'm really on board with this whole Christianity business or not. I'm a doubter. I'm surrounded by a bunch of faith-filled people. I just don't know about it. There's hope for you. Why? Because doubting isn't necessarily a sin that you got to be forgiven of. So wait a minute. The Bible says not to, yeah, it says not to doubt. But doubt is not the opposite of faith. The opposite of faith or belief is unbelief. The word doubt actually comes from a word that means dual. To, to have a mind that's wavering between two things. Now, the Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all he does. So, yeah, if you're in a place in your life that you are doubting, you're not going to be stable in a lot of areas. But it means that you're wavering. Sometimes you're this side. Sometimes you're that side. It's doubt. Where if you believe, you're saying, hey, I believe. I'm rock solid. I got one mind, and it says, I believe. If you say, I don't believe, I have unbelief. That means I have made up my mind. That is not true. Right here unbelief. But if you doubt, it just depends on what time of day it is, right? And that's how we are a lot of times within our own faith. You wake up, believe in God, man, you're full of faith. You're ready to enter hell with a water pistol, right? I mean, you got that kind of faith. I don't know. Maybe I made it up in my head. I don't know. That's doubt. It's wavering. But there's hope for you. Why? 
because God can ground you. <laughs> if you're wavering back and forth, he can get you to stick over here. A lot of it, we can see what happens with, uh, you remember Doubting Thomas? Boy, Doubting Thomas gets a bad rap, and that's unfortunate, because like, Doubting Thomas, he didn't, see the problem with Doubting Thomas, he didn't have faith. No, he did have faith. It was a certain kind of faith. And it was a wavering faith, but, but let's look at the story again. John chapter 20, verse 24. One of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. So Jesus had been showing up. Thomas just hadn't seen him yet, right? So they told him, we have seen the Lord. This is after the resurrection, right? But he replied, this is what Thomas replied. I won't believe it unless, now he, said, he never said, I will never believe it. He just, he, what he was saying is, I don't know, guys, I'm not saying you're lying, but if I'm going to believe it, this is what's going to have to happen. I can believe, I got the ability to believe, but I need these stipulations. He said, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them, and place my hand into the wound in his side. I've got to see him, I've got to feel the evidence and see the evidence. Well, we can't bash him because that's how we are a lot, right? Lord, I'll believe you if, you know, we're, we're like a bunch of DOS prompt people. I'm showing my age. Y'all remember DOS? All these if-then commands. That was real computer lab back in the day. Y'all remember that in school? Real computer lab. When all this clicking business, we had to manually program in what we wanted to see. Then half the time it still didn't work for me. Chapter, verse 26, eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Now notice, Jesus didn't beat Thomas over the head. He didn't say, what's wrong with you, you idiot? I told you I'd raise again in three days. How come you couldn't believe me? What's wrong with you? Everybody else believed me. No, he didn't say that. Verse 27, he said this. Then he said to Thomas, hey, come here, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand in my wound on the side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. He said, okay, now you've seen it. Believe it. The Bible said that Thomas fell to his knees and actually for the first time called him and said, my Lord and my God. He had, he, he had a profession of faith because he saw some evidence. Well, we kind of fall into that too. That tends to help doubting, right? You know? Howard's sitting here today saying, I don't know, I don't, I'm doubting the Cowboys may win. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. Until like with 35 seconds left, we're like on the scoreboard up over the Chargers. Then he'll go, ha, ah, I believe we're going to win, right? Well, there you go. Well, maybe with two seconds left. Look at that. Okay, so he's up in the stakes. Man. That's right. That's right. So, but we do the same thing with our spiritual faith, right? But look at what Jesus said. Then Jesus told him, you believe because you've seen, but blessed are those who believe without seeing. That's probably, if you want to know where the power is in faith, say, Lord, I don't know how you're going to do it. It doesn't even make sense to me. And I know without you it's impossible, but you know what? I believe it. Have your way. I believe it. Ah, now you're blessed. And if you trust him like that, we just read earlier, you get to have hope. You have great hope. 
Man, my family has gone through hell and back over the last four weeks with the loss of my nephew. But you know what? I don't understand it, but I trust them. I trust them. I trust that none of it caught him off guard. I trust that we're going to be all right. I trust that his wife's going to be all right. I trust that my sister, that was her son, I trust she's going to be all right. I don't know how. I can't make it happen, but I trust him. And so I'm blessed. I have hope and I have peace because of it, right? James chapter 1, 5 and 6, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. If you're, if you're like, Lord, I just, I, I want to believe you. I just, I, can, you, can you give me a little more info? Can you help me to understand? If, can, can you give me some wisdom? Well, he's not going to beat you for it. He's not going to rebuke you for it. Ask him. He's generous. He'll help you understand in your own way. But verse 6 talks about doubting. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver. In other words, don't oscillate back and forth. Don't be dual or doubting. For a person with a divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. So if you are a doubter, there's still hope for you today. There's still hope. Let's all stand. Musicians, if you'll please come back. Father, I praise you for everyone who's here today. I pray that you help us to understand the depth of the hope that we have in you. I pray that your word will plant in good soil today and bear great fruit this week. Amen. While we're still in a mode of prayer, if there's anyone here, I want to challenge. Some of you may be here in the Valley of Decision. I want to invite, I want to invite everyone to make Jesus Christ Lord of your life this week. Now, you may have confessed your faith in him, and that's wonderful. But it doesn't mean that you've made him Lord. That means made him boss. That means cleared every area of your life through him. Thank you for believing in him. Now I want to challenge you to believe him and say, yeah, I, I, need, I need to make him first above everything else in my life. I, I need to go to him before I make decisions. I need to check my lifestyle and make sure it agrees with him. I, I need to make him boss. I need to become a true follower of Christ and not just a, a fan of Christ. A lot of us are fans of Christ. We show up on Sunday like at a football game. We show up, cheer our team on, then we go back into life. We do that with Jesus sometimes. We show up, cheer him on, go back into life. But today, I challenge all of us to have a daily walk with him. If you're here today and for the first time you're saying, you know what, yes, I that's me. I've, I've never asked him to be boss. I've never asked him to be Lord. If you're here today and that's you, with no one else looking around, I just want you to raise your hand. I want to, I want to pray with you. Amen. Amen. Let's all pray. Father, we submit to you. We all invite you to be Lord of our life, to be king We give up our will to you. You direct us. Let your spirit 
fill us so much that we start acting like you. We start seeing like you. We start speaking like you. We don't become clones of each other. We just become various flavors of you, Lord. Give us hope today because there's not a lot of hope we can find in this world, but we're going to find joy and hope in you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. While we're still, while we're still praying, uh, Rochelle, could, would, would you mind coming down front? I'm going to have some of the ladies come down and pray over you. There's a wonderful, wonderful thing happening in Rochelle's life on Monday. And it is, and, and I'm going to ask if there's any women that are full faith today, if uh, you'll come down and, and, and lay hands on Rochelle, and we're going to, we're going to gather together and pray over Rochelle. Uh, she is going to become a great grandmother on Monday. Amen. Now, is this your first great grandchild? For the second time. So she is doubly blessed. And this is, this is your grandson and his wife's child. And I love the name of this child. It's going to be a boy. And they're going to name him. This is so unique, but I love it. They're going to name him Lyric. Isn't that beautiful? Lyric. And so we're going to pray and, and just ask the Lord to have his way and for all things to be right. And uh, just, just let's, let's all just agree together that this is going to be a blessed event on Monday. Amen. Father, we thank you for Rochelle. Thank you that you brought her to this community and this neighborhood and that you've been bringing her to be part of our fellowship. Uh, what a beautiful spirit she has. And Lord, I thank you for her grandson and his wife and this precious life that you're about to birth into this world. Uh, you've already been speaking over this life while, while he's been growing in the womb and you've already called him according to your purpose. So I speak right now over, over the mother that her body will remain healthy and safe, that this will be a safe and blessed delivery. I pray over her grandson that you prepare his heart to be a phenomenal dad and father and prophet over this child. And Lord, I speak on behalf of Lyric. I decree that this child is healthy, well, and that this child will be born according to your purpose, healthy and well, that he'll bring great joy to the family. Lord, I speak that you have known him before he was even in his mother's womb and that your anointing will be upon his life and that he'll walk with you all the days of his life. Let him bless his family to a point that he brings them in such alignment with you and that because of him, they'll want to, they'll want to become more like you so they can be such a great example to him and that he'll follow your decrees and your paths all the days of his life and bless Rochelle because of her obedience to you and her faith in you, bless her as she become, becomes once again a great grandmother. What a badge of honor and what a blessing that you have poured out on her. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Everyone say amen. amen. Woo. Can we praise him one more time in the house? Hey, we're going to worship him one more time together as a family. And so this would be her, her, her son, her grandson. Rochelle was saying that she lost, she lost her daughter two and a half years ago. 
Lyric would be her second grandson. A granddaughter, and her, so this would be her second grandchild. Amen. And I'm believing that she's rejoicing, rejoicing in the heavenlies. I don't know exactly how it all works, but who knows? She may, she may have kissed him on the forehead and sent him. You never know. That's right. She is celebrating and dancing. I believe it. Right in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Hey, and if if you if you feel like you have not had life in you, let the Holy Spirit breathe some life in you and let the dry bones of your life come back and reanimate in this last song. Amen. Can we just praise them together one more time? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Rochelle.